Oh, it's working now. Oh, wow, that was a major glitch. I tried to start the broadcast and nothing was actually working. But what a trip. What a bloody trip. Well, guys, I've only, <clears throat> I've only got about... Just under three hours before the new year hits here in Australia. So, my neck of the woods. So fantastic. So I'm going to play this little broadcast for about an hour. Maybe an hour and 15. And um, so I've got to head out. Places to go, people to see, if you know what I mean. Let's see on a pung. So enjoy. We might have just a bit of an open line. If no one calls in, I'll just play some some stuff here um, from my little file of Loom Gloom. Wow. What happened to this year, eh? Bloody hell. I thought the last two years went quick. Holy dooly. I don't think we've seen nothing yet. I'm a blind man. I'm a blind man. And my world is pale. When a blind man cries.
Let me go into my little file here. Yeah, I think we're going to see some Hooli Doolies coming up very soon, guys. Next few months. I was going to go easy on you, not to hurt your feelings. But I'm only going to get this one chance. Something's wrong. I can feel it. It's just a feeling I've got. Like something's about to happen. These pearls come from the Orsini family. Roth means red in German, and the Orsini means red, red bear, little red bears. That's what Orsini means. The great pope is Pepe Orsini. He trumps the black, he trumps the white pope. The great pope is great even pope. higher than the black and the white pope. The Orsini is the, the Maxima family. They are the maximum family. They are on top. And somehow they've trumped the Colonna and the Farnese, which I know without any doubt through all my studies that they are the three most powerful Illuminati. Where what about Rothschild and Rockefeller? Well, they are Orsini. They just changed their name. Rockefeller oh. were Rothschilds. Rothschilds were Orsini. Orsini were a family which have their lines in Babylon and Egypt. They tell you that. You read their biographies, they'll tell you that. We go back to Nimrod. They tell you that. The Rothschilds say that. We go back to Nimrod. How? Through the Orsini. So Rockefeller, Rothschild, Orsini, and then you go back to the Persian and Egyptian dynasties. Hi. You guys want to know a secret? This behind me is a picture of the aura, which is the bioelectric magnetic field of the human hand. And you can see right here, this is your palm chakra. Our palm chakras are the center of abundance and how we give and receive energy. So like Reiki practitioners like myself is how we channel energy from our heart chakras down our arms and out through our hands into that other person, ourselves, into pets and animals. But what do you really notice about the fingers here? What are there? Your fingernails. Look how much light is coming out of your fingernails. This is why nail polish, acrylic nails, gel manicures are a thing. Because it disrupts and dampens your light. It lessens your connection to source which is light. And not only that, light is information. So always having your fingernails and your toes done is harmful. And that's not the only reason. If you haven't done any research on the chemicals that are absorbed into your bloodstream just 10 minutes after getting your nails done, I would suggest doing a little study on that. You know what an endocrine disruptor is? It imbalances and throws off your hormones, your thyroid. It can also cause reproductive problems. So I thought I would share that information and that picture. Take off your nail polish.
Have a beautiful day. trying to work out some things here that are interesting have this was this california one. an island california was it an was. island have the lands were much different than what we know today after the many resets separate from that great flood of noah these lands have changed but what's the mainstream explanation for why california was depicted as an island apparently according to them it started in 1510 but showing easily the holes in that narrative, here's a Chinese map from an admiral in 1418 showing not only North America, 70 years before Columbus found it, but also the island of California. And if you look on many of these maps, it shows high detail with the city names on both the island and the land next to it as well. I think it's a, a really interesting terminology when it comes to a lot of Americans where they just go, what well, doesn't Cal California just sort of float off? I wonder if that's a deep um, psychic thing in us that has um, picked up on those sort of, well, why would you use that terminology, you know? 
I think that's that's pretty mind blowing when you think about the maps that show that it was off. <laughs> it was over there. Now, cartographers, especially back then, were not ones to just lazily copy off of one another's work. They made a living off the accuracy and reputation of their maps. And for some, inaccuracies of their maps could cost them their life. Throughout the many resets, our lands have changed drastically. In some maps like this one, it shows North America almost completely submerged. History is truly being altered by the parasites. The book 1984 was more than just a work of fiction. It was a warning. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Question everything, friends. Until next time. <sighs> yeah, it's interesting on that map. Um, it looked like they had the the west coast of Australia. And I noticed on it that it actually had a dip right down um, instead of the <clears throat> bit of concavement that we got up the top. And um, I had a, a client of mine that um, actually said that there was flounders in the middle of Australia, but that was actually from the west coast. Uh, yeah, the west coast, western Australia. It was like an inland ocean at some time. Uh, it makes it makes you wonder. Hey, welcome to the room, man. <clears throat> it makes you wonder with all these structures and everything. Like maybe things weren't as long long ago as what we perceive. You know, it's like fossilizations. You know, fossilizations can happen quite um, quickly, believe it or not. And this is where I think things are put out of whack a little bit. You know, we've even heard things with dinosaurs or pictures of. Um, what was that one, Stegosaurus, I think it was, uh, the one with the things on its back. That was a, a car, well, a picture in, I think, the Mayans, might have been somewhere else. Even the Bible talks about that beast with the, um, the tail of a cedar or whatever it talks about. So I wouldn't be surprised if it, um, our history is a little bit, twists it up. I mean, even the Gregorian calendar is out of whack, really, when you think about it. Because what's September? September is, they say, the ninth month. But what's sept what's Septuagint? Septuagint is seven. What's octane? What's oct? Eight. Um, November, of course, nine. And decimal, December, is ten. So what's happened to the other two months that are freaking missing that? Why, why have we got a, a calendar that doesn't even actually represent the actual format that it should be in, you know, under the name and terminologies, and everything's been very precise on these sort of things, and we pass down all these little nits, you know, bits and pieces that are supposed to represent back to a certain time. Why is our calendar out of whack like that? Where's the two months that are missing? So we've got 12 months, so now it's 14. Or is there two months that shouldn't be there? Vice versa. Which will probably make more to me when we, when you look back in history and we lived in a 10-month 10, 10 calendar system instead of a 12. But this way, it puts it more like, okay, 
we've set the we've set the time standard wrong to where we get to September. September doesn't mean nine; it means seven. Oct is eight. You know, it, it's just think about it. Just think about it. Sounds a bit woohoo and a bit out there if you've never heard that sort of thought before, but it makes sense because we work on all these languages and and um, you know we don't just go September for the sake of freaking doing it. There's me. It's like the whole week, you know, Sunday the sun, Monday moon day, you know, blah blah blah. It's the same sort of shit. With with the with the Gregorian calendar, I think they something happened around the fifteen sixteen hundreds. And they also say that um, you've lost about, I think it was six to eight days. I, I can't, don't quote me there, but we have lost days when they resetted the calendar. So not only one, <clears throat> and which is interesting because the Bible says that they will change times and laws. Go figure. Um, so, so we've got one thing here. We've got the days of the week are already set out. Everything means this, 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 this. We heard of a theory back in uh, prehistory where it was worked on a 10-month calendar system, especially around the, the Mayan Inc Incas and Aztecs and that. And now the Gregorian calendar comes along and Fs everything up. So now we've got September, October, November, December, which don't even correlate with the months that are there. So how do you explain that? It was corrupted. They changed times and laws. They changed the time, the day's way out. So what zodiac um, thing that you think you're in, you're probably not even bloody in it. Think about it, if it even boils down to that. You're not actually in that zodiac month that you think that you're in. You might be two months out here or there. Um, I haven't gone much too deep into the thought about it, but I know that the 10-month system was a system work, so I gather that there was two months added somewhere that screwed everything up somehow, but it seems more that it was taken away. So, but that would make a 14-month, so, which doesn't make sense. In history, and um, so they're trying to say there's 14 months, really. If you want to add that, if they want to bring bring the seventh to the ninth, no, actually, it was the one that I thought of that I studied and and, and thought about was they actually took two months out. So they they'd um, put these other two months in. So it would have went, yeah, it would have went back to the tenth, um, ten month system, which was a pretty much scale. But that could have been a different tilt of the Earth as well, you know, three sixty days a year, blah blah blah, and all that. So there might have been a different um, axis of the Earth that might have had that um, system. But it still doesn't add up to why would you um, do that? You know, why would you add, you know, an extra thing? I mean, really, um, the 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 time of the year should start in um, January. Uh, where I think I think the time of the year used to be calculated also in spring. So that was the first day 
the equinox or whatever you call it, the solstice or the equinox in, in spring, which would make sense because that's where everything, you know, flourishes. And, and so you have, um, so everything should start in spring, which is a different place in different places, you know, because of our geographics. And I was the same um, thought when it comes to the Sabbath because we had a, a little talk back in the Mesorianic community about that um, back in the day when I was involved with that. And I put up an interesting, interesting question that took a couple of years for people to try and wrap their head around. And it was like, I mean, discussion and debates and shit like that. I think it's probably still going on. but. Um, what I was saying is, like, in Australia, so my Saturdays before most, you know, and I said, is that really the Sabbath? And um, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's Saturday, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, what about where it says in the scriptures that the law goes forth from Jerusalem or whatever, you know, it talks about. He's going back, I'm just a bit shady about the whole situation. I'm like, well, so really, my Sabbath should be on a Sunday. Think about it. The law goes through that part, so that's where the sun goes. And So it actually, in Australia, to make the Sabbath on a Saturday, Sunday instead of a Saturday. Just saying. Just saying. Just because someone's made up Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you know what I mean? If that's where it's supposed to go from, well, you'd think everything after that would then, which would mean a Sunday in the Southern Hemisphere, like Australia. <clears throat> so there's some deep, deep real thinking stuff, you know what I mean? There's some really deep thinking stuff. Why were the political concepts of the left and the right copied from Gnosticism? You didn't realize that this false dialectic is 2,000 years old? I'll show you. Let's take a look at the Nakamati Library. For those who haven't heard of them, the Nakamati Library is a selection of surviving Gnostic books from about 2,000 years ago, and in this instance, I'll be reading the book called the Tripartite Tractate. According to this book, the Gnostics believe that there were three types of people, and they were divided by their spiritual ability. So let's read about the first two. For each of the two orders, he named by a name. Those who belong to the remembrance and to the likeness are called the right, the psychic, the fires, and the middles. But those who belong to the presumptuous thought and to the imitation are called the left, Pilek, darknesses, and the last. I believe these same tropes are being reused by the occultists who run your society. There is no reason why the terminology that's been given to you all to differentiate yourselves politically should match up with this terminology from 2,000 years ago, but there it is. I think someone's having a bit of a laugh at your expense in defining who they're using as their useful idiots. And they also have society under a spell that it doesn't recognize or understand. In Gnosticism, what you had were three types of people. Hylix, that were basically human robots and were referred to as the left. As we've seen in the last few years, these are the masses of humanity that can very easily become an Agent Smith. They exist everywhere, and they only exist to uphold the system. Psychics who were referred to as the right. These people had a bit of divine spark and could be woken up. But sadly, they can also be very easily diverted until they forget themselves, forget their path, and become just another Heilig. And finally, pneumatics. 
those who had achieved gnosis, a first-hand rapport with the divine within this lifetime, or who had chosen to come back, to reincarnate, to help raise others up and teach them, like the Eastern concept of the Bodhisattva. The differentiation between the Hylics and the Psychics, the left and the right, was in whether or not they could wake up enough to realize that they were trapped in this matter prison and try to escape. The Hylics had no chance of it whatsoever. They were purely materialistic, animalistic people, just as they are these days. Over the last year, so many of you have shared your stories with me and have pleaded with me about why some people around you just don't seem to be able to wake up. The point of this video is to let you know that you're not crazy. You are surrounded by people who look, walk, talk, and act like you do, but who cannot wake up. And this is a pattern that we have recognized in them for thousands of years. This video also comes as a warning. Things are about to get very uncomfortable in the world. And the Hylix will be used as mouthpieces to keep you distracted. Hylix have no internal dialogue because they have no connection to source. Their tool to validate themselves is endless debate. How many of you have tried to talk about very important issues and facts with people around you lately, only to be deliberately misunderstood, misrepresented, misheard, and dismissed? That is the warfare tactic of the Hylic. They cannot defeat your truth. They can only wear you down. In coming weeks and months, it's going to be very important for you to listen to your inner voice, your inner gnosis of what is true, and not be taken in by the endless tricks of the Hylix around you. Stand strong, and you'll get through it. Massive um, protest in Yemen yesterday. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I think it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Y Yemeni. Capital, wow, 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 just an endless stream of people. You pray, Palo? Yeah, yeah, what a trip. What a trip. Hey, welcome to the room, uh, Eric. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to go through. Now, this lady, she done a, um, a broadcast about um, the Cabal, and uh, they found her. Yeah, she was missing, I think, for about two weeks. But they actually found her, and she's dead. She's dead. This report was funded by people like you. Please support our work at peoplesvoice.locals.com forward slash support. A leading Pizzagate investigator and filmmaker who was responsible for exposing the elite pedophile network to millions of people has been found dead just months after she proclaimed she would never commit suicide. Janet Ozebard, an award-winning Dutch journalist, together with Cynthia Cota, a former police detective, dedicated their lives to unmasking the satanic elite, who they revealed to be pulling the strings of the world's governments and global corporations. As the globalist elite became increasingly desperate to cover up their crimes, it appears Ozebard has paid the ultimate price for daring to oppose the cabal. Before we dive in, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, oh, and join the People's Voice Locals community so she to support the channel and gain access guys. to exclusive and uncensored content. A leading figure in the Great Awakening movement, Janet Ozzabad was best known as the creator of the fall of the cabal. Her unexpected death, reportedly by suicide, has left a void in the alternative media landscape, where she was known for her relentless pursuit of the hidden hand controlling the global control agenda. Ozabod's documentaries expose crimes so depraved that normal human beings find them impossible to fully comprehend. Yet, these crimes are the normal day-to-day -day practice for the global elite overlords, 
who are secretly waging war against humanity for their own enrichment. The secrecy put upon them is hard to deal with. All of this results in great trauma. This is her. Why then would a society push pedophilia down our throats? Bit by bit, step by step, normalizing it so that we grow to the idea instead of reject it. Why create a society of traumatized people? Why are pedophile logos used in children cartoons, Disney movies, candy and ice cream, child protection centers, adoption agencies, in business and in politics? Meet Sheila Jackson Lee, member of the House of Representatives, proudly wearing her young boy lover ring. What is going on here? Let's follow a lead. Check this out. This still image appears in a video clip of a band called Sex Stains, and this is where it gets interesting. They played at Comet Ping Pong, a restaurant in Washington, D.C., best known for its pizzas, ping pong tables in the basement, high-profile clients such as Hillary Clinton and the Obamas, and a conspiracy theory called Pizzagate, more about which in a bit. The circumstances surrounding Janet Osabod's death are shrouded in heartbreak and mystery. Her disappearance, which was accompanied by a suicidal message which her friends say could not have been real, has led to speculation and rumours. Some have suggested that Osabod may have been placed under witness protection, while others are convinced that she became the victim of those she sought to expose. The familiar with the Clinton kill list would understand that she would not be the first. These speculations reflect the powerful nature of her work and its important impact on millions of people who became red-pilled after watching her documentaries. The global elite are desperately seeking to silence those who successfully speak out against them. Okay, I think I've covered enough on that. Yeah, they actually found her. She's dead, yeah. The full of the cabal. <laughs> Bloody hell. Oh, when you're over the flank, these things happen, you know what I mean? When you're over the flank... These things happen. As a parent, I'm not smart enough to decide if my child need to have gender affirming. Well, yes, that's what I'm telling you. Uh, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk. Uh, has recently confirmed a report that last year Musk blocked access to his Starlink satellite network in Crimea. Should there be repercussions for that? Not at all, Jake. Uh, Elon Musk saved the world from a bigger war by refusing to accept Zelensky's demands. Really? N none of this concerns you? Not at all. And I think you should be happy about it, too. But you're not because you work for CNN, and CNN is a warmonger who profits more as the war escalates. So, f you, Jake. Something really bad is going to happen, okay? Shit's about to hit the fan in this country. Everyone is on, uh, I don't even know the word. Everyone is, I, I don't even know if we call it a spine anymore. And, and I didn't do anything because I didn't think anyone would listen to me. Trump tweeted something mean about me someday. Because you did something. I tried to do something. Here's, here's the, what I want to ask you. When something happens, you good with nothing? 
um, Nicole, you said a lot of words, but you didn't make any sense. The f is wrong with you? Well, we first of all, we want to thank you for everything you did to protect yeah. our country. I'm sorry, what exactly did you protect the country from? Of course, there were some bad apples, yet the security footage shows that they literally opened the door and let everyone in. No one had any weapons, and it looked like a guided tour. And let's not forget that the only person who died that day was Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by the Capitol Police. So please, help me understand, what exactly did he save the country from? Um, he, he's, uh, I wrote a book. We have to go to break. <laughs> hey, let's do another one. What exactly are white people superior at? Uh, not getting arrested. Stop resisting then. Not having fun. That's a function of white supremacy. Having fun is not white supremacy. If that's your mindset, you are living a very sad life. Feeling superior. Thinking they're superior. Thinking that they're superior. Thinking that they are superior. That was a whole lot of thinkings and mind readings. Being fearful of nothing. That's a good thing. Claiming that, you know, they are actually a whole separate race. When actually, white DNA comes from the black female. And the black female DNA comes from monkeys if you're into evolution. Therefore, we are all a bunch of monkeys, and so race and racism doesn't exist. Problem solved. Walk into everybody's house and says, oh, this is nice. I'm going to take your shit. What a stupid statement. White people are not superior uh, with anything. I respect your honesty. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. Hezbollah is very smart. That's the Republican candidate's position. Columbia, May 17, 2018. Construction workers are underground working on a government building project. Inside what seems like an ordinary tunnel, something incomprehensible happens that none of them have ever seen before. It's as if the tunnel has come alive. The tunnel seems to move as a cloud, repeatedly and very suddenly, appearing and disappearing. Workers who witness it are terrified, including Juan Antonio Sanchez. La tierra empezó a rugir como de un león. Eso produce mucho, mucho temor porque en cualquier momento no creía que el túnel se podía derrumbar o que podía... Temimos, temimos mucho por nuestras vidas. Footage of the weird pulsing energy baffles scientists. There's also this booming sound. The freaky looking freaking thing that one. Bloody hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I went to shit really quick. Oh, yeah. I saw what's happened here. Huh. Let's just stop it. Oh, what a weird freaking thing to do. <clears throat> I'm trying to go through because I've got some mainly video sort of formats. I don't know what this one is about. A little patch with a big job designed to boost the world vaccination rate. The biotech micro-patch produced by Brisbane company Vaxis is a syringe-free alternative for administering COVID-19 booster vaccines. A device like this 
is stable at room temperature and requires very low skilled administration, so it can be used pretty much in every country on the planet. I thought you had to have it at um, some sort of freezing point. It's, things have really changed over the last couple of years for sure. They've been working on the patch for more than a decade. The University of Texas has been working on a new COVID vaccine. Together, they'll form a world-first clinical trial mm. in Adelaide this year. 50 oh. to 100 people will be recruited. Each must have already received at least three doses of a COVID vaccine. Once this initial trial is complete and following further testing, the patch could be available by 2025. Providing the TGA gives it the green light, it will be all systems go, with a new state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in Hamilton under construction, where 300 million kits can be produced each year. The expectation is there's going to be some frequency of boosting that's required that could be indefinite. A possible solution to a global problem. Sally Geit, 7 News. Oh, another bit of money for their big um, farmer industry, eh? Hey, why not? Here's a little band-aid. Put this on. Looking a little bit like um, Javiel, to be honest with it. <clears throat> not something you really want to um, entertain, I guess, but... Um, yeah, for shits and giggles, it'll probably be a good time. There's no doubt about it. When you tell someone that a medicine for dogs cured your cancer, you better be ready for some skeptics. But Joe Tippin says it did save his life and others. My liver, my pancreas, my bladder, in my bones, it was everywhere. Two years ago, Joe Tippin says he was told to go home, call hospice, and say his goodbyes. Doctors were unanimous he was going to die of small cell lung cancer. Once that kind of cancer goes that far afield, the odds of survival are less than 1%, and the median life expectancy is three months. Today, Tippins is very much alive, and what he credits for his survival has doctors scratching their heads. About half the people think I'm just crazy. Tippin says he got a tip, not from a pharmacist, but a veterinarian. And in his desperation, he turned from people medicine to dog medicine, specifically fimbindazole, or what you give a dog when it has worms. Truth is stranger than fiction, you know? Just three months later, <laughs> Tippin says his cancer was gone. Oh, wow. Well, I reckon I'm getting back to the very beginning. Big trouble. And if he is bananas, as you say, I'm not taking any chances. You are just one of us. Okay, I'm going back to the um, original last night. Oh, my people, I want to the back now. Now, who thinks that arms are long enough to slap box? Slap box. They said I read. Now, Keep it continuously. what she's trying to do here is um, explain it, I guess. She's trying to show you some onion, an onion package. And what they've done, they put a sticker over it, um, the Bill Gates poison shit that he's spraying on to preserve foods. So they put organic on the um, actual picture. I won't play it because there's a lot of shuffling going on in the background. Hmm. Sneaky little buggers. Sneaky little buggers. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. What a sneaky bunch of little freaks. ...started appearing in remote and secluded locations across the globe, igniting a sense of wonder, curiosity, and a whirlwind of speculation. Standing as silent sentinels in disparate landscapes, from the deserts of Utah to the forests of Romania, these monoliths challenged our understanding of art, science, and the boundaries of human exploration. These enigmatic structures became a symbol of mystery and fascination, capturing the imagination of people worldwide. Their sudden appearance in such remote and unexplored areas left experts puzzled and eager to unravel their secrets. With their sleek metal exterior and minimalist design, the monoliths became a subject of great contemplation. The fascinating occurrence first came to light in November 2020, when a helicopter crew engaged in a routine wildlife survey stumbled upon an extraordinary site in the secluded desert of southeastern Utah, USA. Emanating an enchanting aura, they came across an imposing 10-foot-tall metallic monolith glistening in the sunlight. This remarkable find seemed to have materialized out of thin air, reminiscent of science fiction tales and the enigmatic monolithic structures depicted in the iconic film 2001, A Space Odyssey. This unexpected discovery captivated the world's imagination, piquing our curiosity about its origins and purpose, and sparking speculations about extraterrestrial involvement and unknown forces at play. The discovery of the Utah monolith created a worldwide craze as people across the globe became aware of its existence through the rapid spread of information on social media platforms and various news outlets. The intrigue surrounding its origins and purpose only served to intensify the attention it received. Countless speculations emerged, ranging from theories about extraterrestrial involvement to the possibility of it being an intricate art installation. The initial appearance of the Utah monolith marked the inception of a global phenomenon. Following its discovery, numerous monoliths started to emerge in secluded areas across the world. Notably, a comparable structure was stumbled upon in the remote named county of Romania, reigniting worldwide fascination. This event triggered a series of subsequent sightings, spanning diverse destinations including California, the Netherlands, Colombia, and even the Isle of Wight. Strikingly similar in their sleek metallic composition and intriguing geometric patterns, each monolith captivated the attention of onlookers. The proliferation of these enigmatic structures not only engrossed the public, but also generated a flurry of discussions and investigations as people sought to unravel the mystery behind their existence. The widespread presence of these monoliths all around the world has sparked numerous theories and speculations. One school of thought suggests that these structures may be the result of an intricate artistic endeavor undertaken by either a secretive individual or a collective that revels in enigmatic creations. On the other hand, some people entertain the idea that these monoliths could be part of a meticulously planned and executed prank or a groundbreaking piece of performance art intended to captivate audiences across the globe. The prevailing air of uncertainty surrounding these enigmatic structures only serves to heighten their allure. There is an undeniable mystique surrounding them, that continues to intrigue and fascinate observers worldwide. In a remarkably quick manner, the enigmatic monoliths that had intrigued and fascinated people all around the world suddenly started to disappear. One of the most widely known among them, the Utah monolith, which initially captured global attention, 
mysteriously vanished within a few short weeks after its discovery. The circumstances surrounding their disappearance varied. In certain cases, local authorities were responsible for their removal, while in others, the vanishing of these monoliths remained shrouded in unexplained mystery. Maybe a script. The multitude of theories surrounding the origins and disappearances of the monoliths continued to multiply and spread. Numerous individuals held the belief that these enigmatic structures were part of an elaborate viral marketing campaign or a grand global art experiment. While yeah, but if someone's going to do that, that you think they'd make a pattern out of it. But yeah, I reckon the scrapyards would have been onto it and go, bloody hell, there's some solid iron there. Let's rip that out the ground and take it down to the uh, depot. <laughs> that might be more likely the scenario, for sure. I reckon. I reckon that would have been the scenario for sure. Ah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Anyway, enough of my theatrics. And all these other aspects. Get back to the um, main show at hand here, if we can get to that. Teeth whitening hack you absolutely need to try. Mix coconut oil and turmeric in a little jar until it creates this paste. Put a little bit of this on your toothbrush and brush your teeth normally for a few minutes, spit it out, and then brush your teeth with toothpaste. Turmeric stains everything in the world, but it doesn't stain your teeth. It's crazy. This combination with the coconut oil, it does not stain your teeth. I promise you, if you do this a few times a week, your teeth will be so white. Your teeth will be so white. There is no doubt about it. Now, honey versus raw honey. Honey contains little or no pollen. All Vitamins now. Oh, I'm not even going to read that because that's this is uh, I don't exactly know. This is probably uh, no, I'm not even going to read it. No, I'm not going to really read the bloody thing. Not even going to do it. <clears throat> not even going to do it. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I won't talk about it. And I'm not gonna talk about it. After Cain kills his own brother Abel, he actually just ends up building a city. See, this was the very first murder in history, so Cain was kicked out of his house. But by Genesis 4, Cain has now built an entire city. So my question is, how did he even do this? Well, there is this one civilization called ancient Sumeria. They were one of the first people to use things like copper and bronze, and they made huge advancements in specifically farming animals. But what's very interesting is that these people actually believed in this group of gods called the Anunnaki. Legend has it that they came down to earth and taught humans how to do civilization. But here's the thing that just blows my mind. This is what these gods look like. They look just like angels. And it actually just gets so much weirder. You see, ancient Sumeria was founded in around 4000 BC. And if you just do the math, Cain would have built his city in around that exact same time. It even says that the very first livestock farmers and craftsmen were specifically the children of Cain. Well, 
There is this one book called the Book of Enoch. It's not scripture, but it tells us this story of 200 fallen angels who come down to Earth. Those angels had known deep secrets about the universe, which just seemed like magic to us. They end up revealing this knowledge and technology yes, from the heavens, fun. which leads humanity to be able to build advanced, large, conquering civilizations. So ultimately, we ended up worshipping them as our gods. See, I think this book is telling the same story of ancient Sumeria. Except these are not gods, but fallen angels. I think the reason why Cain was able to build the world's first city was because he had help from those same fallen angels. Except in ancient Sumeria, 6,000 years ago, they would have been called the Anunnaki. Bloody hell, guys. It's a hard place to be when you've had six boiled eggs and a uh, bit of an entertainment, if you know what I mean. Guys, this is truly insane. T-Mobile has just updated their terms of service. And now, if you post any content they don't agree with, they will fine you. They have an acronym called SHAFT. This stands for Sex, Hate, Alcohol, Firearms, and Tobacco. This is going to be implemented on January 1st, and the fines that they will fine you is in the thousands. I had no idea that we live in China. Since when does a company get to determine what you are allowed to talk about in a private text message to a friend? This should not only disturb you, but this should make you want to take action. If you have T-Mobile, switch now. And if they are doing this, how long do you think it's going to be before they start fact-checking our text messages? Welcome to Orwell 1984. Hmm. Welcome, welcome, welcome. ...died. One third of the entire world population was infected. There are several very interesting things about the Spanish flu. 1918. First of all, it didn't start in Spain. Secondly, it wasn't a flu. There's more. But let's start with these two, shall we? If it didn't start in Spain, then where did it? In the US. If it wasn't a flu virus, what was it? It was a bacteria that caused severe and in most cases lethal pneumonia. Long story short, during the first half of 1918, an experimental bacterial meningitis vaccine cultured in horses by the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in New York, now the Rockefeller University, was injected into soldiers at Fort Riley. The so-called Spanish flu was a vaccine experiment gone horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Two million of them went overseas. They fought under poor sanitary conditions, so the bacteria spread like wildfire mm -hmm. wherever they went. This story was then spread that these soldiers would come home with all sorts of European diseases, so the American population was vaccinated as well. Who was in charge of that distribution and mass vaccination program? The Rockefeller Institute. Who was the main scientist in charge? Dr. Frederick Gates. Well, Those well, who well. became cloud adults meaning they spread the bacteria to others 
the apple going far, far from the tree. In modern polar days, we would call it shedding. The vaccinated infecting the non-vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Amazing coincidence, right? Mm. Frederick Gates then, Bill Gates now. Um, yeah. Rockefeller Initiative then, Rockefeller Initiative now. Disease developed in Fort Riley, U.S. then. Disease developed in Wuhan, China, now. Closed down societies then. Closed down societies now. Cloud adults then. Shedding now. <laughs> All for our own good, our own safety. Back then. And now. Nothing new under the sun, as they say, hey? Mm. Very interesting. Very In 1946, several manuscripts were discovered in a cave deep within the Palestinian region. These manuscripts, comprising a number of ancient religious writings, became known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Among these discovered scrolls were fragments of the Book of Enoch, a mysterious scripture that the church adamantly hides from its followers. What is written in the Book of Enoch that the church is so afraid of disclosing? And why is it that the five zero 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 year old book is accepted in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and quoted by Clement of Alexandria, but the church refuses to give it any significance? Get ready to explore this mysterious ancient text that reveals the shocking secrets of our history. The Book of Enoch has been surrounded by controversy since it was found in the caves of the Palestinian regions. It was discovered in the latter part of 1946 or early 1947 by young Bedouin shepherds near the ancient settlement of Qumran on the northwestern shores of the Dead Sea. In the area now called the West Bank, the shepherd encountered a peculiar incident while tending to their flock. One of them accidentally dislodged a rock in a cliff crevice and heard an unusual resonant sound. Excited they had discovered something extraordinary, they ventured into the cave and stumbled upon a collection of clay vessels. Seven of these vessels contained a treasure trove of leather scrolls and papyrus. The scrolls were later passed on to an antiquities dealer, from where they eventually came into the possession of scholars who determined their age to be more than 5,000 years. Over the next few years, archaeologists discovered tens of thousands of additional scroll fragments in ten adjacent caves, bringing the total up to almost 900 pieces of priceless texts. Although we have uncovered several biblical scrolls alongside various relics in the desert caves of Israel, the Book of Enoch stands out because of the alternate strand of human history hidden in its pages. The Christian Church first accepted the book, but later excluded it from the biblical canon. Why did a text that was once cherished by the essences, early Jews and Christians, suddenly become denounced, banned, and lost? Here is the truth the church doesn't want you to know. In the book of Enoch, we find the story of Enoch, a man who led a pious life for which God rewarded him. But who exactly was Enoch? According to Jewish tradition, Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah and the father of Methuselah the oldest person in the Bible who lived for 969 years. Enoch was the seventh son of Cain and Ramona, and the seventh descendant of Adam and Eve in the Bible. 
Enoch is not considered a saint in Roman Catholic tradition, but the Armenian Apostolic Church observes his Saints' Day on July 26th every year. Interestingly, the significance of Enoch isn't limited to Judaism and Christianity. He is also revered in Islam as the second prophet Idris. So, considering the importance of Enoch, don't you find it surprising that the church refuses to give his books much merit? Enoch was among the two people recorded in the Bible who did not die, but were taken up to the heavens by God, the other being Elijah. The book of Enoch consists of five distinct sections. The book of Watchers, the similitudes of Enoch, the astronomical book, the book of Dreams, and the epistle of Enoch. What makes the book of Enoch controversial? Stay with us as we reveal our true history as written in the book of Enoch. The first book discusses angelic beings called the Watchers, who were assigned the task of watching over humans. These angels are described as the sons of God and the sons of heaven. The Watchers were instructed to observe human development, but were restricted from interfering with mankind and their lives. However, as men and women multiplied, the daughters of men grew more and more attractive, eventually catching the Watchers' attention. The Watchers decide to take the women for themselves and impregnate them with their seeds. The leader of these angels, Samjaza, warns the others of the consequences of such an action, but the others eventually wear him down, promising to accept responsibility for any repercussions. According to the Book of Enoch, 200 angels descended from the skies to take the women on earth as their wives, and in doing so, they divulged the secrets of the heavens and life itself. The Watchers taught the mortal women sorcery, incantations, and the dividing of roots and trees, information far beyond human understanding. Hence, the Watchers not only betrayed God by mingling with the women on earth, but they also corrupted them with knowledge that was never meant for humans. Can you imagine what the offspring of mortals and angels would look like? You'd be amazed at the result. When the women of earth gave birth to the children of Watchers, they were neither humans nor angels. They were giants called Nephilim. Possessing extraordinary strength and wit, these giants quickly took over everything the man had built and destruction spread everywhere. The Nephilim began to kill men, and when they got tired of that, they started killing each other. During this chaos, there was another angel who was not interested in the women on earth, but in sharing the secrets of warfare with men. The Watcher, named Azazel, taught men acts of evil to corrupt their lives completely forever. In Chapter 9 of the first book, Archangel Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel take the matter before God and ask him how he plans on bringing peace and restoration upon earth. Brace yourself as we divulge a secret the church doesn't want you to know. Finally, God instructs Uriel to seek Noah and tell him what is about to take place. It was part of God's plan to destroy everything in a massive flood, only allowing Noah and his seed to survive the catastrophe. God orders Raphael to bind Azazel by hand and foot and cast him into the darkness by opening the desert in Dudael, a region of the underworld. He also tells Raphael to cover him with pointed stones, so he remains there forever until the great day of judgment when he will be cast into the fire. The Nephilim are subject to a different fate. Archangel Gabriel is ordered to turn them against each other, so they kill each other off through slaughter. Finally, the leader of the Watchers, Sam Jaza, is informed of his punishment through Archangel Michael. 
all the Watchers were condemned to the lowest depths of hell, where they will remain locked away forever. But this will happen after they witness their sons slain before their eyes for seventy generations. There are several places where the Book of Enoch is consistent with the Bible. For example, in Genesis 6.12, The sons of gods saw that the daughters of men were fair took them as wives. Jude, the brother of James, also mentions the book of Enoch in his letter in the New Testament. Jude 14.15 reads, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds. However, biblical scholars argue that just because the book of Enoch gets one or two things correct, doesn't necessarily mean it's all correct. The Church doesn't consider the Book of Enoch Scripture as it cannot be called God's inspired and written word. Books that fit into the Scripture canon must meet certain requirements, most of which are related to a long history of acceptance by the early Church. And clearly, the Book of Enoch doesn't fit the bill. Can you imagine the implications if the Church accepted the writings in this controversial book? It would mean everything we have been taught about human history through religion is wrong. The book of Enoch talks about fallen angels fornicating with women on earth, merciless giants who corrupted and destroyed everything mankind held dear, and the great flood that wiped out everything and everyone except for Noah and his seeds. Stories of fallen angels, the abduction of women to bear children, and superhuman beings like giants aren't new but have been retold in several religions and cultures around the world. The same story in the book of Enoch only amplifies the fact that there is a lot we don't know about our origins, and the refusal of the church to accept this scripture only means that the secrets must lie hidden until mankind is ready to learn the truth. Do you agree? Remember to hit the like button if you enjoyed this video. Yeah. Also, subscribe oh, yeah. to our channel and press the notification bell for more shocking videos. Why, um... Like a robot, so call me rap. But for me to rap like a computer must be in my jeans. I got a laptop in my back pocket. My pinnacle walk when I have cock. I got a fat snap from that rap profit. Made a living in a killing office. Ever since Bill Clinton was still in office. Monica Lewinsky filling on his nutsack. I'm an MC, still as honest. But his rude and his indecent is all hell. Syllables, kill a hall. They kill a ball. This nigga can't even hit a hip-hop cue. Only wanna get into a piece of match with this rapidity rap pack. And the Mac in the back of the yak pack pack. Rap, rap, yap, 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 kitty, yak, nap. The exact same time I attempt So what I want to say is that, okay, we can take all this into consideration, all right? We've got about, what, 66 canons, I guess you could call it in the scriptures now, the Biblosis. What about the other, um, I think they worked it out that it was around about another 40. Yeah, yeah, I'll wait there. Yeah, come in. Yeah, come in. Down to the beach. Down to the beach. I can't wait till she thinks the same. She didn't look funny. She never felt that. Yeah, you're gonna get spooked tonight, though, huh? <laughs> right, I'm just gonna finish the show for 10 minutes and I'll start getting ready for a little.
Just make sure you got some water for it, that's all. Yeah. Our little dish or something. You can take it and take it. Yeah. 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 Whatever. As long as you've got a little bit of water coming in there. That's about it. We're going to stop in the thing and get the feet on the way. Good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we're just about to head out soon, so I'm going to have to broadcast in five minutes or so. But what I wanted to say before I go, actually. <coughs> is that, um, you know, you got 66. It's a bit hard for me to talk to. Frickin'. It's not too bad tonight, man. Like last night I was killing me, but yeah, anyway. Um Yeah, you're welcome to the room. I was just about to go on a little bit of a rant just for a couple of minutes. Um about the canons of the Bible, you know. Um we've got sixty-six, you know, pretty much I think it is. And uh I think the missing um, apocrypha is about 42-ish or 38, something like that. So it, it rounds it out to about, I don't know, around about 100 books missing for it. And um, this is the thing with the Christian faith and that. Like, there's books that are even talked in the book itself, so you can't deny it. I mean, and then, well, who knows what books are talked in, in the Apocrypha books, you know? So I find it very hard to have a really good um, grounding on your faith or your uh, beliefs. As a um, believer in the scriptures. Um, mainly because of that. Because if you haven't got the whole history or you haven't got the whole genre or the feel of the whole vibe of the, the situation I would find that a little bit conflicting if if I was in some sort of um, faith if you know what I mean I wouldn't find it very solid I guess you could call it I think it would be good to um, incorporate the apocrypha if you're in that mind frame and belief yeah I really do. I mean, the books are already said there in, in the books that you got, so it's not something conspiracy or something weirdo freaking, whoa, what's this shit, you know? They're already talked about. They're just missing. I think the Ethiopian Bible's got the whole apocrypha, as far as I can remember. So don't don't put um, don't be too judgmental on life or your aspects until you've really taken all the apocrypha into consideration as well as a Christian or even a Gnostic. Really, I, I find a lot of it. Like even Jesus said, he come and talked in parables. I find not that I'm a Christian or anything like that, but I do find his um, teachings, which I believe I put up a show the other night about. That he actually went to India. There's some high um, possibilities that he actually went there, you know. Those missing years, you know, those bit of a gap sort of thing. <clears throat> and um, when you really dig deeper into his teachings, it really does come 
to that sort of um, sort of analogies and and reasonings and and philosophies and a whole genre of things that he was talking about that were more than just the so-called Bible itself, the Old Testament, you know. So I can see those attributes in the sayings and, and things like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I put one up about India, but that's another aspect as well. But the Bible's a fascinating thing. I always think in my studies that um, if we put Jesus up 30 years ahead of where we're told that he was at, he would blend in absolutely perfect, actually, during the Roman um, 70 AD Empire um, sort of situation and what was going on there. Um, I don't know. I just see some correlations between him and I see another big um, correlation between Paul and Josephus. Don't know if anyone's ever looked into that. I think that's fascinating as well. You know, I mean, the scriptures could be more fascinating than what we actually think they are, you know. But, um, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. But putting things in the context and what words mean and... Um, time frames, all sorts of different things, really does make it a, an amazing story. It really does. So these are things just to take into consideration, you know. I'm not an absolute on the whole thing. Little thoughts that I've come across, you know. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not a biblical sort of person, but I know that I know the book upside down, inside out pretty much. So I can sort of see these correlations. You know. Mm. Yep. It's a um, very um, esoteric sort of book, the whole thing, if you really want to look at it from that angle. Look at zodiac signs, periods, every 2,600 years-ish, you get a new, you know, just, just look at the book from that, that sort of angle. Even Jesus said he come in parables, you know, um, talk, talking stuff for people that are a little bit more of a thinker. They could see between the lines, I guess you could call it. It's the same with the whole scriptures. It's a um, zodiacal, well, pretty much uh, behind the scenes as well, um, codes in it. You'll see that through the transitions of different um, periods of time. Just that alone, let alone other aspects. I mean, Pisces, fish, Jesus, etc. Just go back every 2,000 or so 100 years and uh, you'll find another, yeah, Ramses and bloody blah, 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 blah. This goes on. So, the time of Leo. That's why I think, actually, the pyramids were built around about 10,000 BC. I do believe, or if not, at least the Sphinx. I don't think that's the original Sphinx head, because it doesn't add up to the size of its body, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think they recarved it, you know, maybe Khufu or something, just, you know, got a bit jealous. And... But I think that the Sphinx, at least, I don't know about the pyramids, but it... I think the Sphinx, at least, was built in um, 10,000 BC, which would have been the time of Leah. 
So if you look at history and things like that, I think that's a fascinating thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're about to go out. So, um, you, you, pff, hour and a half and I'm having New Year's freaking little freaking firecracker freaking things going off and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I'm going to get down to the beach, guys. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for a cruise. I'm going to go sit down. Yeah, maybe have a cold one to sit back and bloody relax and enjoy the night. I think it's going to be fan-bloody-tastic. All right. I'm about to head out, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm about to head out, unless you hit it by mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to go. I've got to get some stuff ready for tonight. We're just about to go in about 10 minutes, so... All right, will you all take care and, and have a happy new year if I don't catch up with anyone in between hence and forth? But, um, yeah, mine's about an hour and a half or so away, so we're going to do our stuff. All right, guys, take care.